Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bonjour. Bonjour. I feel like it's only appropriate to say that at this point for this episode. Oh, for sure. I mean, use as much French as you can in here. You, you <laughs> want to know what's crazy? This is a sidebar to what we're going to, but I watched, I started watching Emily in Paris this week. Oh, and yeah. And then the two films that we're, we're covering are both French films, which is like, I, I can't escape. I guess I need to go to Paris. I guess this is just like my, my calling to go to Paris and, and explore. That's, that's basically how you feel after you watch any French new wave film from the 60s <laughs> <It's true. laughs> or, or even newer stuff now. It's like, oh, well, yeah, even it, the it's, stuff so, in, it's so romanticized, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, Emily in Paris carries over so many things that these two films do. And mm-hmm. that was shot, you know, last year, I believe, or something like it came out last year or this year. I don't even remember. Yeah, I think last year, actually, because I remember year. it was like just at the beginning of last year. I think it was. OK, but yeah, I thing. mean, there's so many things that are carried over that romanticize the the French way and the French way of life, I guess, including our last episode, too. <laughs> oh, you're getting real deep now. Elliot. Yes, yes. You want to start us off, Trevor? <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to say? Uh, you're you're normally the the introdu- introducery okay. introducery. I, I, I what what even is that word? Introducer? Introductory. Introductory. I can't speak. The man who introduces the show. You are the introducer of our our films of the week always. <laughs> so I'll let you take it away. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. Hey guys, <laughs> welcome to another episode of Film Detectives. And uh, Trevor's laughing at my wonderful intro here because it's amazing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so today, guys, we're going to be talking about two films, Jules and Jim and Band Apart or the Band of Outsiders in the English title uh, that it's named. And Jules and Jim was came out in 1962. It's directed by Francois Truffaut and Band of Outsiders is directed by Jean-Luc Godard, which came out in 1964. And with these two, actually, French New Wave films that came out during the 60s, because during the 60s, France was really pushing out a lot of uh, film content that really uh, had to deal with the times because we had a social, basically a social revolution happening all across the world. People were getting in touch with their sexuality. They were questioning the government, the establishment. They were also, there was civil rights movements happening all around the world. Um, And in France, like we really had French culture kind of being redefined in a certain and kind of modernized in a certain way, but also romanticized as well, Mm. because they were so proud of, of course, being either if you were from Paris or any particular part of France, you know, each kind of region had started to develop its own kind of voice in a sense, you know, like the Parisian culture had a certain voice and look to their particular films than, let's mm-hmm. say, something from uh, uh, Provence or something, you know. And But I, I've noticed, like, anytime I watch something that comes from that particular region, it's a very romanticized vision of what the idyllic life is and also uh, basically about France and its people, too, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like if you were just watch these these films right off the bat and just take a very surface level look at it, you'd think it's all about mm-hmm. uh, relationships, sex, and smoking cigarettes. Honestly, pretty like, much. Or yeah, well, let's go and let's go rob a bank while we're at it. You know, <laughs> type of thing. 
you know, and it's kind of strange that the, the, these particular two films, Jules and Jim, and also Band Apart, I keep calling it Band Apart because it's the French name, but yeah. Band of Outsiders, really like they, they're very similar in, in essence, mm-hmm. uh, as far as how they're structured uh, character wise, because you have the three characters. It's about how these two men basically fall for almost like a femme fatale type woman who somehow enables them to go down a dark path and they are trying to also escape from their own their mundaneness of like everyday life kind of thing because i always feel like these characters especially in jules and jim like you know they're not happy with their relationships that they're in so they always go back to the uh you know their one like love interest it's like they're fling they always go back to like yeah. that, that that one time like that one night stand type of situation yes. they go back to Catherine, you know and i was gonna say you know i think i think jules and jim really encapsulates and shows what a true like friendship is about in a way outside of the the strange passing each other's wife and girl around to each other which is a little different right but yeah, I, I was really getting some Itumama Tambien vibes mm-hmm. from from Jules and Jim, especially because you have your two, you know, uh, you have Jules and Jim, and then you have Catherine in the middle of the two. And Itumama Tambien is a very similar type story with both both boys really trying to win the affection of, you know, the the woman in that film. But you also get it in Pearl Harbor too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we could just go down a list of, of there, there's multiple that- this this particular archetype pops up in multiple films that like across the world, like every mm-hmm. director has to do some kind of film or re- relationship film based on two men falling in love with the same girl because yeah. of the conflict that happens with that particular dynamic. Well, you know, it's it's almost like free conflict. And you think about it in, in the it's real free- world. Yeah, I mean it's free. It's free real estate. It's free. Yeah, it's free conflict. <laughs> it's it's not a hard conflict because you have that in the real world, right? There's you yeah. you you know you've been with a buddy, right? At some point in time, and you saw this girl, and you both were like, "Oh man, she's she's attractive. Like I'd like to get to know her." Yeah. And it's not surprising that you know your buddy will have the same thought you do, and then it's like, okay, now you got to figure out. Well, what do we do in this situation? I can I can think of so many instances. When I, when I was watching Jules and Jim, I was like. Mm-hmm. You know, I could think of uh, my my best friend, uh, Raph, right? Yeah. I could think of some some scenarios when we were in school that r- involved some of these these exact type of situations. And it was really bringing me back to that that feeling of, you know, like what what having a brother is like, you know, yeah. you're both, we, you and I are both only ch- only children. Right. So we yeah. never had that brotherly that brother or sister Connection, in our life. Yeah. But our friends and I, I feel like I can speak on this for you, too. But our friends were like our siblings. Pretty exactly. much. Yeah. And they, yeah, it's like they're basically extended. They become your extended family in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to have that kind of conflict between, you know, wanting the same woman type of thing is like, yeah, I, I, I personally, I have not been in that situation. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it, it does provide, it does, um, create conflict in the sense that, um, you know, your, the heart is a fickle thing. You know, it, it's, and love is not to be kind of taken advantage of and stuff. And mm-hmm. I feel like in Jules and Jim, Catherine has some sense, like she knows she has the power yeah. and, and really 
uses it to her advantage to get what she wants in life. Because again, she's trying to escape her own sent her own life that is kind of boring until she meets, you know, Jules and um uh his friend of uh, oh gosh, Jules and Jim. Jim. <laughs> Oh my god. What what's the movie we're talking about? Yes. Oh I was like I was thinking I was like, are you looking for a, a different character or like did I was like I I was watching you for those that don't it's know, been we, a we long record day. this we it's record this through day. Zoom looking at each other. So I was like watching him frantically search and I was like, is he just trying to think of Jim? It'll, it'll just be another Buffalo Henry uh, version. Oh no, call <laughs> so, back to Buffalo. I gotta have one at least in one episode, you know. Come on, guys. Oh my goodness. Uh forgot my point, but <laughs> you know, I felt like in Jules and Jim, th- women are put on an even par with the intelligence of men's intelligence because you know, Catherine's very smart, she's very witty, she's very um advanced and also modern in like almost like a modern woman and i i feel mm-hmm. truffaut is really playing with the notion of what the modern woman is at that particular time in the 60s because mm-hmm. you know it's a the 60s had their own cultural revolution you had feminism you had the uprise of you know civil rights and women wanting equal pay and equal rights as men mm-hmm. and that I think is starting to carry over into Truffaut's films, in a sense. A lot of the, you know, a lot of artists, you know, are represent are basically sh- uh, mirrors of what is happening in the world. You know, I, I feel that they they echo the sentimentalities of what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. No, I w- I would definitely agree. You know, and we we currently see that a lot of these same things and we've talked about this in some of the other films that we've watched but we see a lot of these same issues and things going on in current 2022 right mm-hmm. i mean we're potentially on the edge of a war a world war at this point mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's what's no, happening in the ukraine right now yeah yeah it's almost like another afghanistan type of thing and you know we have civil unrest we have people are questioning and and people are very vocal about what their opinions are, especially in this day and age of communication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the sixties didn't have, they had like kind of the cusp of what was to come, uh, with communication and technology. Cause it was just in its infancy back then with computers and, and radio and television, you know? And I feel like with these particular French new wave, the the French New Wave movement really defined French f- cinema in a sense because mm-hmm. it was a rep- as I said it was a representation of what was happening during that time in France uh, and the Cultural Revolution that was happening and the youth wanting to fight the establishment which they viewed as the you know anyone older than them and you can't tell me what to do type of thing. And it was a rebelliousness, which I feel also carries over into, uh, you know, Band of Outsiders, especially because there is a rebelliousness to, you know, like <laughs> the the opening scene of them trying to learn English in school. And then they're like, nah, let's go. Let's let's go have some fun. You know, let's like, go smoke. Let's, let's go, go smoke let's go and be cool. And, and you know, it was, was kind of like this beat, 
you know, beatnik uh, uh, generation that, uh, and I love that it's all kind of um, supported by a jazz, kind of very jazz free, uh, very freeing soundtrack that really lends itself to having that feeling of okay that rebelliousness and these kids are like they're just like the cool kids like and especially that dance the most one of the mm. most iconic dances ever captured on film i in my opinion um because so many directors reference it and i it's so funny because it reminded me of a tarantino film in a mm. sense like just the mm-hmm. way he uses music to kind of take us out of a certain um you know, like what they're about to do is is bad, but the music, you know, uh, contrasts what is happening in the particular story or with the characters that we're seeing on screen. And it allows us it just basically alleviates the tension, you know, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. just like a fun moment that really, you know, uh, the scene I uh, I talk about is the one that's in the bar and, you know the three of them are sitting down and then they're like, Hey, let's dance to, th-. and they turn the jukebox on and they start, you mm-hmm. know, in synchronized unison, uh, dancing and stuff. And then the sound cuts out and everything for the voiceover to like, kind of, which I thought was like, you know, it's Godard basically just playing with sound design and editing too, really. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say about that. You bring up a great point. Uh, one thing I felt when watching both of these films, I felt like with Truffaut, it felt more like a major motion picture and Godard's felt more like a student film because yeah. in Godard's, y- y- every camera movement is very shaky. There's mm-hmm. not like a, a focus on, but also Godard captures a lot of the human qualities. Like he gets, he gets these more super gritty. close-ups. It's more yeah, gritty. he gets these super close-ups of individuals. And one of the one of the scenes I wanted to mention because you were talking about the 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 cafe where they were dancing is the moment where they say, All right, let's do a minute of silence. And he actually cuts all the audio for the mm-hmm. whole film. And they just sit in silence. And at that point in time, we mentioned this. I, I forget what film it was. It's the one where uh they're on the train. It's in not Pakistan, uh Israel. Yes, yes, that one, where, yes. the, where all the different people are being observed uh, on the train. It's the, I think it's the railway to Jerusalem. Yes, or thank you. What, what, like something along those, tra- tramway to Jerusalem or something like that. Yeah, it, it's, it's the one, it's that one we covered, that where we're looking at each individual person and how Miami specific. Kentucky. Yeah, and this reminded me a lot of that because in that time period where, you know, the silences is... We as humans, this is something I was taught as an, as an actor, is like we as humans only talk when we want something, when we're trying to convey something, when we're trying to you know, accomplish something. Mm-hmm. The, the, the most you know, time that we, we really are kind of formulating is when we're silent because that's the time when we're listening. That's the time when we're taking in information. That's the time when you really can see like our vulnerability because we're not using our voice, which is one of our, our key ways to communicate, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're truly just being observed from that point. And I was, I was taking that scene and just watching all three of them around the table, you know, messing with their, uh, their cigarettes, I believe is what they had in their hand. He would take a puff yeah. of a cigarette, and she was kind of tapping the table. Because we as, we as human beings, no one likes silence, especially, think about this, right? Think about, so think about you're in a car with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And you're driving down the road, and you're talking with them. And then all of a sudden, 
you, you know, typically, eventually the conversation will... So let's say somebody you just met, right? The conversation will eventually just die. Mm-hmm. And we as humans typically will try to find some way to like reignite that conversation because we don't like the silence and awkwardness. But I love that Godard allowed that moment and really made it effective by getting rid of all the other sounds around and allowing us to just focus on the human human qualities and of, of our three main characters uh, at that time. I thought it was just a really... <laughs> cool you know directorial thing that he did overall well he really lets the audience then just focus in on how they're like playing off of each other and how the actors are like looking at each other and how do they feel about each other in that Mm -hmm. particular moment because it's a moment where the girl especially uh odile is trying to figure out who she likes more and mm. she's starting to also play them against each other in a sense. Um, you know, like, I like you more and I like you. And when the other guy goes away, you know, or Arthur goes away or Franz goes away, you know, she's like telling each one, like, whoever's not there, like, oh, I like you more. And it had this very, like, childish yeah. kind of feel to it. Whereas, like, I felt Truffaut with Jules and Jim was like the more mature relationship mm-hmm. that even though it came before, like Godard kind of was showing more of a immature rebellion or rebelliousness and kind of his viewpoints on the youth of France, I think, mm-hmm. at that particular time. Well, yeah, like you said, Jules and Jim, they're, they're both trying to establish something. They're both trying to become, they both want to be, I believe it's uh, authors, mm-hmm. if, if I'm correct. And at once they will return from the war and they're living pretty much all together as a as a yeah. family they they kind of discuss about that like oh i'm doing this and i'm doing this and then like you said in band of outsiders you have our two uh, main characters franz and arthur and then you have odile and they're all just like let's go rob some things and and mm-hmm. take the take this little bit of, of money or find this inheritance type of thing and it's like it's v- like you said it's very different it's like a generational to- gap yeah. between the two films yeah I I think it's really interesting also that like with Jules and Jim that Truffaut, I mean, I know he didn't really have much of a budget for this because a lot of his films, like the reason why 400 Blows got all the recognition was because it was not a big studio production produced mm-hmm. film. And so Truffaut really pushed the boundaries of, hey, we are going to be more of an independent market and studio and we're going to make great films and we don't need a, the backing of a big studio and he really mm-hmm. proved that with his films and that's why i think he got such an art movement following with his body of work and mm-hmm. godard was soon to follow you know and mall and like all these great uh but you know um oh gosh uh Renoir and like all, all these French directors came after you know came out during that time because they all had mm-hmm. something to say and and the artists really latched on to film at that time mm-hmm. because it was like oh this is a new visual medium we have we need to try something different with it and we don't need a big studio to make a great movie about people or mm-hmm. about whatever we are passionate about so yeah. I thought. That's why I I liked a lot of films that came out of the French New Wave because they're so experimental 
in their editing, their cinematography, the acting even too, you know, because it can be very, you know, over the top or there's like all the extremes like or it'll be very subdued and reserved and the actors are just playing with time and space mm-hmm. on celluloid really well, well that, that's what i love you brought up a great point it's kind of they had a, a freedom to kind of do whatever they wanted because at the time a lot of the stuff they were trying was brand new right mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't there's no know, visual what, effects <laughs> yeah it, it, absolutely absolutely and the fact that you were talking about you know with with Truffaut that he he didn't really he didn't have a studio major studio behind this to to create this film mm-hmm. i mean band of outsiders was filmed in 25 days yeah which is it's insane I mean, that's that's something and, yeah. and it's a it's a it's you know regarded as a, a fantastic a fantastic uh film by by critics mm-hmm. well i mean you can see godard really he knows his medium and he knows mm-hmm. how to place the camera I mean, the shots of them in the car just driving around like and it's just the back shot. Like, I can't believe how many uh, modern directors now just rip off of that those shots. And that kind of that staple of the over the shoulder shot of our main characters or our main character or hero, you know, uh, hero or heroine. That becomes a staple in the visual medium. And that pushes like we see that in. You know, we see that in uh, 1917 that just came out by Sam Mendes. Mm. And then also, you know, we see it in Dune. We see it in like a lot of, you know, uh, Denise Villeneuve's films. We see it in a lot of Wes Anderson. I mean, especially Wes Anderson. I mean, he's like he loves the French medium, the French new wave medium, because he like thrives in that quirky, uh, esoteric, very visually staged uh shots and everything and also character wise he kind of takes a lot of his um like dialogue from like that it's very influenced by french new wave i i feel like how they deliver their lines and everything too yeah and another thing with wes anderson and the french dispatch the the score is something we mentioned each you know Mm -hmm. each different little vignette has a specific score and both of these films the score is uh, almost like it's almost like a fairy tale in Jules and Jim at some mm-hmm. point in time. Just the way it kind of carries you it through the story. But, yeah. but at the same time, the story itself is really not a fairy tale. It's quite sad if you think about it. It's about two men who go off to war and then they come back and they fall for this woman, uh, Catherine, and she literally plays the, again plays them against each other. And mm-hmm. I feel bad for uh, Jules because it's really he's the one who actually truly loves Catherine and mm-hmm. allows her to go off and find herself and like, you know, be with other men and everything, which I find really odd. It's like kind of like an open relationship. Again, it's an amazing uh, representation of what like scenes from almost like scenes from a marriage in a sense. Which you kind of get from, you know, uh, Bergman later on, you know, Ingmar Bergman, you know, mm-hmm. so. Um, well, and then the fact that you have both Jules and Jim that eventually end up with her mm-hmm. is, is not a typical, typical scenario with your best friend. You don't, and you especially you don't all live in the same house uh, that 
but but the whole time the the thing that the the thing for me is with Jules and Jim, both of their characters is neither one of them ever felt like uh anger or or hatred towards the other it seemed like from from watching no they were they were both completely understanding of what needed to happen because they wanted ultimately i feel like to make her happy to make to make uh, Catherine happy was yeah. their ultimate goal and what's sad is you know how everything ends up coming to a head at the end which i'm not gonna you know spoil it because it, but it, it's a really tragic ending that you don't expect to happen i feel like which is kind of like uh how wes anderson's the two films we watched from wes anderson kind of ended up mm-hmm. uh, also with uh jane campion the piano and uh the the power of the dog mm-hmm. both yeah. of those were very unexpected endings and also like the tragedy plays it's a very shakespearean tragedy in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> like no yeah, yeah you're right you know it's it's dark it, it's just it's staged so that like if yeah sometimes it it feels like we it it, it, it comes out of nowhere but like really a great director will put all the clues to have us lead to that because really i mean like when you think about it when you go hey i got this great idea for a movie it's about <laughs> two guys and a girl and they're <laughs> both in love the two guys are in love with the girl well, you know that's going to end in tragedy and heartache because, mm-hmm. you know, love. Uh, I I don't know. Like it for for most people, love loving one person is enough, and mm-hmm. it's you know it has all of its challenges and 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 beauty to it too. But you know, like if you love multiple people, or if like if um I don't know if you're loved by multiple people people it gets more complicated because there's more mm-hmm. chefs in the pot basically <laughs> <laughs> no you're, i mean you're, you're not wrong the fact that yeah you know with with love it's such a it's such an interesting thing that is covered in film and in, i mean real life i feel like mm-hmm. uh, i've had this conversation with people but the word love is kind of a throwaway word a lot these days mm-hmm. it, you know it doesn't it doesn't carry the same weight because a lot of people will say i love you to a lot of people but how much do like what does that what does that truly include and and mm-hmm. Jules and Jim and even with Band of Outsiders it's like like you said only one of them truly loved Catherine right but but the other truly loved his brother because he wanted them to be happy so it's a very like that that when I when I saw the whole premise of like what Jules and Jim was gonna do because it's very I watched Band of Outsiders first and it's very yeah. similar to Jules and Jim just with the whole like setup with mm-hmm. there's two guys there's a girl they are kind of both interested da, da 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 but very different and one you know there's a giant robbery and mm-hmm. the other is basically take you through their life it's a you know, caper like a, movie <laughs> yeah right it's a Bonnie and Clyde uh, good old gangster robbery I, film I and funny enough like at towards the end. Uh, you, there's a shot of France and, uh, Odile and it, they look like Bonnie and Clyde in a sense, because Mm -hmm. it's just how they are staged together. It's like, okay, you guys are like the predecessor to Bonnie and Clyde. Are you, are you talking about when they're on the hill or are you talking about when when they go back, when they go back and they're standing yeah Uh uh-huh and when they go back to uh try to see what's become of uh arthur i believe right yeah arthur Mm -hmm. 
and you know that lovely gun gun shootout happens oh oh man that's one thing about uh band of outsiders (laughs) you want to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) well i'll tell you one thing yeah apparently back then guns didn't have recoil which is one thing (laughs) they also didn't have the body does the body does (laughs) the body has a lot of recoil they didn't have bullets also it seems they had a lot of smoke a lot a lot of smoke it's like the wild west out there (laughs) um but let's just say the 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 deaths that did happen uh, in in band of outsiders were very they they really followed that theatrical feel i'll, I'll just say that they were very yeah. theatrical over the top um, super staged yeah, yeah. The, the, he he walked around for a good two minutes before uh, after was, getting shot 20 times you know he uh. literally I mean, with a gun that holds probably six bullets, he got shot like twenty. Well, times. well he ain't dead yet, so. <laughs> but one one thing I wanted to mention about Band of Outsiders because you brought up that scene is yeah. they have this conversation at the end. I don't exactly what recall what they say, but it, it's when they're both driving away in the car, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and they're talking uh, about our friends. Yeah. Uh, after after they leave, when they after they go back and see what transpires, mm-hmm. and then they leave again, and that's kind of how the film ends, and they're they're talking to each other. Yeah. Throughout that that process, uh, you know, I was like, it comes to that point. It's like all decisions have consequences, and mm-hmm. life changes in an instant due to one action. Because yeah, if you think about if if you know if Arthur wouldn't have decided to you know, go back. If he would have just gone with them, mm-hmm. uh, you have a totally different scenario. And then, you know, what happens with Odell? What happens with Franz? Do they actually end up going where they, they plan to go? Yeah. Uh, but it's also the greed and love of money, too. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's another thing that can really be pointed out by the end of the film is the, is the greed and the, and the want and the thirst for, for having that, that, that fortune, right? To chasing chasing something that ultimately is evil well it's like they don't realize what they have you know like the the, there's that want to belong and that want for and the greed aspect they want the money so that they can have a better life so to say but their their life is actually pretty idyllic to begin with because they have each other and Mm -hmm. they actually are going to school they're learning they're you know, becoming educated. They're, they're not, you know, just sitting doing nothing, you know, but they are. Enough. Yeah. But they feel like they're not doing enough with their yeah. lives. And I think that's a beautiful statement to a lot, how a lot of people feel today, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in the world that they're kind of just, especially with the, the current, with everything that's been going on in the past couple of years, right? Like a yeah. lot of people's tracks got knocked off the 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 our trains got knocked off the rails pretty much right and a lot of people feel like they're they're chasing that but then at the same time we don't realize you know what we have what we're what we're fortunate to have you know just being able to to be healthy to be to be alive is a it's it's incredible and amen to that oh thank you thank you (laughs) preach it preach it no it's true though i mean i find myself i'm sure you do too we know we're stressing over uh, some things that really shouldn't be, you know, that at the end of the day are going to probably be something we forget about come a year from now or whatever. And like forgetting Jules and Jim is about Jules and Jim. <laughs> yeah, right. Like Jules and what was the other guy's name? Yeah, Jim. <laughs> but I really, 
now that I've seen both the films, I realize that they both kind of end in the same way with heart heartbreak and also love at the same time. Because mm-hmm. without, I feel like without these giant moments, and this is kind of true, I think, in a lot of some relationships too, right? Mm-hmm. That without these giant moments or things that happen, sometimes things don't happen or or ultimately go or create, right? Like relationships in because it's the wrong time wrong place you know you run Mm -hmm. into somebody where you least expect to run into somebody and you start a relationship like i feel like both these films on top of the the whole you know your consequences and life changes can also really talk about like the human ability to love and connect with people and and how precious our relationships not just with our significant others but with everyone truly is yeah 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 i i feel like that Truffaut and Godard and a lot of the French New Wave directors really observed people and knew the human condition and what it was because, you know, probably from their backgrounds, their upbringing, you know, they, you know, not having anything, you know, some directors, they get, they're raised in poverty and then they get money and they're able to make their art, which is you know, like a rags to riches type of deal too. Um, some do come from money, you know, then it's like more about the aristocracy and, and more glorified and romanticized notions of what culture is. Dep- depends on how you're raised too, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. like, it all depends well, yeah. on that upbringing that you have. That shapes us, that shapes us as human beings. Of course, as we get older, we can make decisions and make our own choices. And that's what a lot of artists do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're always going to have that core, what we were raised and taught and, and how we were brought up it, as a part of us, because it's always going it, to, it's always going to reflect itself in an artist's work in some way. And even with, even if new viewpoints are brought in, there's still going to be that, that inspiration and influence from as you were growing up. Well, what I think is interesting with Truffaut, he, he got the dialogue started with his films to show aspects of life and also the tenderness of life where Godard came in and took it to another level where he was like, okay, let's start questioning some of the, the grittiness and kind of the dark realities of life rather than, you know, this again, romanticized notion of what life is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a a great way to look at the world in general, right? There's, Mm -hmm. there's the good, there's the sunshine, but there's also the, thunderstorms and the and the nasty weather and the the sadness and everything with it i mean it, both of the, these films are basically both kind of tell a similar story but both but like you said godard is more of focusing on that 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 rough that rough side of things that yeah. not the the thing that the thing and then that you chiseling maybe, it down to make it yeah look beautiful. The, the, the thing when you go to Paris you probably don't want to see right or when you go to like a big city you don't really want to see like the the back alleys and all that type of stuff right like well, Godard's like kind of trying to underdog. go in that area he's like yeah. the underdog mm-hmm. you know and I feel like Tarantino got a lot of influence from him and then mm-hmm. Wes kind of got more influence from Truffaut which was pretty cool <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and the, these two, along with countless other directors from all over the, the country, have created and instilled what we see today in cinema. We, a lot of people probably don't recognize any of it because, you know, a lot of people haven't seen 
this work. They haven't really watched Truffaut or Godard unless you were in, you know, went to film school, which I did. And I had to watch this stuff, but I'm glad I, you know, I was introduced to it because it really gives you a, an appreciation for where we are at now with a lot of the, the work that is created. And, and it's cool to see people take, you know, ideas that these, these uh, gentlemen had and continue to like develop and elaborate because we have such our equipment nowadays can do, you know, 10 times what their equipment could do back then. Right. Or more. Mm-hmm. So they, but they always will have that, that foundation that these two incredible artists laid to allow us to create and to the time we are now and to the future as well. Yeah. Cool. Good with that. I'm good with that. That sounded good. Oh. But what did you also think about how, <laughs> what else did you think about the um, use of archival footage in Truffaut's film? With with uh, the war. Oh, the war. Yeah, the yeah. war. The war footage. Yes, uh, and the blending, the cutting back and forth between the black and white of his generation, and then like the very archival footage. I thought it was kind of tacked on, and we didn't really need it. You could have just said that, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like he gonna, was trying to. Ma- I, I feel. I feel like he was trying to to kind of just make a point as to, you know. His film is about the, these two, these two, uh, you know, best friends uh, mm-hmm. going to war, and also to show that although that you know they were on different sides, they fought on different sides, yeah. and they were worried about killing each other. It also shows this is a point that I wanted to make, and I'm glad you brought it up because it made me yeah. think of this. But it shows that people can be friends and coexist, and also still not have the same viewpoints, right? Like. We can we can coexist as individuals, and this is, I feel like where a lot of people are at these days is like, if you have an opinion about something, it's very hard to talk to somebody about it and have them listen clearly, and then then be able to talk back to you about like what they think. Mm-hmm. We live in a world now where if somebody says something, they're instantly kind of just attacked for it, depending on what it is, right? Or yeah. or, or or they're shut down. What's really gonna? What I believe, you know from that footage yeah that's that was footage of the war and it, it kind of just brought the point home across i think with what he was trying to say about how they were both on opposite sides axis mm-hmm. and allies basically but it also showed that i mean that that imagine imagine if you had a best friend that fought on the on the on the nazi side right yeah. like how and do you, you knew someone who was yeah like, fighting against you yeah so like how do you how do you deal with that? And and it, again, every situation is different, but I'm just taking it as a general thing that being able to sit and talk with somebody mm-hmm. that has a different viewpoint than you and be able to actually, you know, have a conversation about it and get an understanding as to why they have that viewpoint and why you have your viewpoints can truly lead to a, I feel like a stronger relationship. Which and we see does- in Jules and Jim because both Jules and Jim become closer actually in a sense too but they also mm-hmm. bond they not only bond over Catherine but they also bond over their experiences in the war you know yep. and that changes men it whoever or who and women whoever goes into war and has to see the horrors of it you know getting their seeing their brothers and sisters blown to smithereens you know it's it's not not pleasant you know so yeah i felt that was like a very um tender side of Truffaut that came out in that uh mm-hmm. even though he's 
creating drama with Catherine's character. She kind of comes in like the wind and, you know, and it's just like, uh, or like a hurricane basically. And, uh, will just, just kind of disrupts the peace in a sense. She's basically the war. Yeah, actually. Yeah. That's a good point. She's very similar to what the war kind of entails. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting because they focused more on World War One and not World War Two. Because I think at the time, sixties, you know, it's pretty like it's only twenty some odd years after the the World War Two, mm-hmm. and you know, there it's still. I think they didn't want to put it in that particular era, which I thought was interesting. They chose more of the early nineteen hundreds, you know, or mm-hmm. well, 1916 ish. So, yeah. and then, you know, even though their hairstyles look like they're from six, the sixties, <laughs> right, right. But, <laughs> Which I thought was hysterical, but, um, but I know, I think the, I think the three biggest things we can take from both these films is number one. Yeah. Uh, Truffaut and Godard are auteurs yes. and their, oh, for sure. their work and their styles have been adapted and continue to be adapted, uh, mm-hmm. in present cinema and future cinema. Number two. Uh, relationships, love, you truly kind of have to find out what that means to you because I feel like to everybody, it kind of means something different mm-hmm. because love is such a, such a strong word that a lot of people, I feel like, try to find what mm-hmm. it means to them. And, and it's, it's, I feel like it's one of those things you just realize over time. And number three, that there's, there's always a, a good opportunity to have open discussions with people and that's what's something we should really try to do is is speak with people even if their viewpoints are different and maybe we might not might disagree that way we can understand them they can understand us and hopefully we can build a more cohesive and uh stronger bond with each other i feel like those are three things that that's what what i take away that's what I yeah, from my yeah. gathering watching these two films. I mean, if you watch them, like we always talk about, if you watch them on the surface, but we're the film detectives, we dig in, we go, we go, we go to the soul, we go to the soul. Uh, but I feel like those are three things that under the surface of, like we just said, of, of, of love, sex, and cigarettes, that both it's Truffaut funny. and Godard were really trying to express as artists. If you like this episode, make sure to follow us on social media at Film Detectives for further news and upcoming shows. Join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.